We serve a God who's all-knowing. That's a scriptural witness, and that's the classical description of him. And yet, though God knows all things, there are some things that he chooses to forget and some things that he chooses to remember. Does that challenge your theology? Are you intrigued? I hope so. Let's get into the scripture together and let's discover first what God forgets, but even as importantly, what God chooses to remember. Let's get into it and thank you, friend, for joining us at Arlington United. Lord, we love you and we're thankful for your people today and we're asking that you bless us as we hear your word. It is a privilege to hear your word today, and I ask you to help me to preach it well. Help me to deliver what you want to deliver to these people. And long after my illustrations and thoughts are forgotten, let your eternal word bless this people that hear it today. In the room, on our broadcast, and through the podcast, let everyone be blessed that hears this word. We're thankful for you, and we're thankful for your word, and we're thankful for your people. And we rejoice together to receive of your spirit and your word. Church said amen. amen. What God remembers. What God remembers. How many of you have an awesome memory? Phil is the only taker. He's got an awesome memory. Thanks, Phil, for volunteering. We could test that a little bit. I, I forget stuff sometimes. Brother Mark and I. I know y'all find that to be a shock, especially those of you who have dealt with me in any type of leadership capacity or whatever. But today, Mark and I were driving around town. And we got back in a vehicle, felt in my pocket, and it felt too empty. I said, Mark, I've left my phone somewhere. And uh, so uh, we had to drive back. And sure enough, I'd left my phone right there on the ledge and was going to leave it out in the rain and everything just because I forgot. Now, before you laugh too much, there's probably things. Anybody ever forgotten where you put your car keys? I put a, a deal right at our door so we could hang our keys up there because I got tired of losing them. And you know, sometimes I even don't put them up there and I forget them. I forget where my phone is a bunch of times. My blessed and wonderful and beautiful wife today, we're driving to church. and Sometimes if your memory's been kind of sleep deprived and everything, she said, I forgot so-and-so. I don't even know what she thought she forgot then she reached in the bag she said oh it's there because she did remember it but she didn't remember remembering it okay sometimes your memory's like that my title today may seem a little flippant or even foolish how could God possibly forget anything doesn't the scripture say that he knows all things doesn't say that the God in case you're wondering it does say that he knows not only all the facts, but he, he knows all things. Brother Jim, read 1 John 3 and 20. Let your voice ring out. Just read that for us. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. He knows all things. But in this text of John praising the omniscience of our God, we find a clue to actually what God forgets. And once we learn what God forgets, that's going to point us right to what God remembers. 
God knows all things. But if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. I just want to drop this in. It's not my notes. I want to help somebody right now. If you feel guilty over a past sin, but you have repented, and you've done everything you can to make it right, but you feel condemnation, this scripture teaches us, Sister Sarah, that if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And so for us to feel bad about something that we've repented over and we've made all the restitution we can, Renee, it's actually elevating our own conscience above the court of God. And we're saying I'm the supreme authority rather than God's judgment on us. When God judges us righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ, we need to accept that verdict and say, I have no more condemnation. Amen? We know from the scriptural witness that God knows all things. Not only does he know all things, he knows all people. Who's got Psalm 139 and 1? Psalm 139 and 1. He not only knows all the things, he knows Lisa and Mary and Ann and Mark and Clay and Willie. He knows all people. It's not just a list of propositions that God knows. God knows our person. He knows us. But there are some things that God chooses to forget. Who had Hebrews 8 and 12? Ring it out, Scott. What is he not going to remember? Read that last part again. Their, their, lawless <laughs> their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, in just a moment, we're going to talk about what God remembers. But just for a second, I want you to contemplate that God in all his omniscience chooses to forget some things. God has selective amnesia. God chooses not to remember some things because of his character and his mercy. There are some things that God lets go of. Micah 7 and 19. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and that will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Think about it. Anybody ever been to the ocean? Destin? L.A. or somewhere, different, different oceans. It's pretty. I love those beaches, especially at night when it's not so crazy hot. I just love walking beside it and thinking about how big it is. One time I was in Durban, South Africa, and I got to see the Indian Ocean one time. It's the only time I've ever seen it. And it's, it looks like black ink almost. And then the other, the other uh, Atlantic out there is a lighter color, and that blue and that black meet together at Durban, where the Indian and, and Atlantic, I was amazed by that. But you can take a pretty big rock, bigger than you can throw. You take a little pebble and chunk it out there and it disappears. But Randy, you take a, take a pretty good sized rock and you chunk it out there as far as you can chunk it and it'll disappear. You'll never find it in all the vastness of the ocean. It doesn't matter how big a rock you've got, when you chunk it in the ocean, the surface of the ocean is not going to show it anymore. And that's what the Bible says. The prophet Micah said, God does that with our sins and our iniquities. He puts them into the sea. 
where they're not remembered anymore. Isaiah 38 and 17. Who's got that? Candace? I was in bitterness. But because of the love and mercy of God and the way he dealt with me, he took my sins. And the Bible says he put them behind his back. Just put them behind him. Now, this is anthropomorphic language, forgive me, but even God doesn't have eyes in the back of his head. He just puts it behind him, Scott, where it's not seen. Puts it in the sea. I love this one, Psalm 103 and 12. Sheila, you've got it. Read it out real loud. As far as the east is from the west. If somebody go up to New York City and you go down to Madison Avenue and Broadway and you put your feet down there and you reach and stretch as far as you can, you see if you can get to Hollywood and Vine. And that's just the east of the United States from the west of the United States. Now, you can have your go-go gadget arms out or you can be Stretch Armstrong, but it's not going to work. You can't connect those two. And the Bible says as far as the east is in its infinity and the west is in its infinity, that's as far as he has taken his sins, our sins, away. He's taken our sins that far away because that's the God that we serve. In his sovereignty and his abundant mercy, God has freely chosen to forget repented sins. I make the point again. If you have repented of a sin, I urge you to just turn from it and forget about it and say, God, if you're going to put it behind your back, I'm going to put it behind your back. And I'm going to urge you as a church, when someone comes in here to our fellowship and they may have made mistakes, I'm going to ask you that if they come to this altar and they put their sins behind God's back, if they put it in the sea, if they take it from the east to the west as God does, I'm going to encourage us as a church to do the same thing. To not hold it over them as a record, but to say, if God has forgiven you, then so have we forgiven you. Now, so far, we're pretty good about most of those two when we're feeling halfway spiritual and we've got our suit and tie on. Come on now. Or our dress and our skirt. But I'm going to make it real hard right now, Renee, because this is what I'm going to say. If you make a mistake today, even though you're saved, I'm still supposed to love you and I'm still supposed to forgive you. Sometimes if somebody comes in with a crack pipe in one hand, and a nine millimeter in the other, we love it as a church because we're like, woohoo, look at what God did. But three weeks later, we expect them to be a committed and confirmed disciple. We have a very short leash for people that have turned the corner and turned their life to Jesus. But Sarah, although you've been walking with God a long, long time, and I don't expect you to, you know, take your purse and beat me in the parking lot today. I think you're a pretty patient person. But if you and I have a disagreement, we still need to love one another because if we repent and make all the restitution we can, we can be assured that our God has forgotten our sin. Somebody ought to lift your hands right now and be thankful that God has forgotten your sin. Somebody ought to be thankful. I know I'm thankful today that there's some things that God chooses not to remember. He chooses not to remember. That promise fills the entirety of the earth today and its relevance cannot be overstated. You could leave now, and you've heard a good word from the Lord that God forgets sin. But I didn't come to you to preach to you about what God forgets. Rocky, I spent the first 10 minutes just to remind you that God forgets some things, 
because I've got some things I want to tell you that God does remember. Now, when we say that God remembers, again, it, it, this, is, this is biblical language. It doesn't mean that, 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 that God doesn't hold things in his consciousness, but you have to understand the biblical concept of who God is as a person. The Hebrew word for remember is zakar, Z-A-K-A-R, zakar. It doesn't mean that the things he remembers, like, oh, I, I remember to put the sun out today. It doesn't mean that they're out of his consciousness or his awareness. What it means, the first meaning of zakar is to mark for special attention or focus. When God remembers something, Brother Jim, it doesn't mean that it was beyond his consciousness, but what it means is he's taken it front and center. In our language, he's taken out the highlighter and he's decided to put the spotlight on something. He has decided to draw something to his special attention. Those of you that are married and honest, those are two different things, but if you're married and honest, you can, you, can, you, can, you can actually say today that there are times when you are aware of your spouse, but they're not front and center in your consciousness. Sometimes your spouse will help you to move along that continuum. But, you know, you meet in the same room with each other and they're talking sometimes. Sometimes Jana talks things out sometimes. Sometimes I'll just ask, I'll say, baby, are you talking to me or are you rehearsing something for yourself that, that do I need to respond here? You know, so, because I'm aware of what's going on, but, Scott, I need to remember sometimes and put special attention and focus, special attention. When somebody says, hey, 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 look at me, and you remember, hey, this is somebody I need to pay special attention to, special attention. I want to talk to you about some things that God remembers today, some things that God remembers. Now, wait a minute. It took you 12 minutes to talk about what he forgets. you got five things. Remember, we're going to be here till 4 o'clock. No, just listen. We, we, it, we're going we're to make it. Number one, Psalm 103 and 14. Who's got that? Well, that was Sheila. Read it loud, sister. The King James says he remembers our frame that it is dust. Do you know God remembers that you get tired? God remembers that you get hangry. God remembers that you get frustrated. God remembers that you don't know everything. God remembers that you don't have all the wisdom in the world. God remembers that you don't have all the resources in the world. When you look up at God and you go, I got seven days a month left and I don't have seven days of money left. God doesn't have to scratch his head because he has put it into special focus that your resources are limited. God, I don't know how to solve this problem. I don't know how to, to heal this relationship. God, I don't know how to enact your kingdom in this section of my life. I'm confused here. God doesn't have to go, wait a minute, who's that again? What's their problem again? What's, what's going on here? No, 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 no. He remembers always. Present tense, Scott. He didn't say he remembered. It says he remembers that our frame is dust. He remembers, Brother Roy, that we're weak. We're human. He remembers our weaknesses. Psalm 78 and 39. Renee, you got it? God knows you're no angel. And you ought to thank God for that. 
He remembers that you're flesh. He remembers that you're half animal and half spirit. He remembers your weakness. And I thank God that he remembers that. Because, Brother Roy, I haven't always acted like an angel. I haven't always acted like I should have acted. I haven't always said the right thing. I haven't always done the right thing. I haven't always thought the right thing. And sometimes I've even misused my ears. I even heard things the wrong way because I put my own bias and my own twisting on it. I thank God that he remembers that my frame is dust. Would you be God-like today? Would you be like the Lord? Would you remember that I'm a human being too? Would you remember that that Christian sitting on your row is a human being, that they're flesh? Would you remember that that person you're married to or that you're a parent to or a son or daughter of, they're just flesh? Would you be God-like? Would you be like Christ and remember that people are flesh? God remembers our weakness. Number two, somebody read Psalm 105 and 8. Wow. God remembers our weakness. That's cool. I like that. It's nice that God grades us on a curve. But Rocky, the Bible says that God remembers his covenant. That means that we're in a relationship with God that he does not forget. When you join the covenant of God's people, you can find it in Exodus 22, uh, 2 and 24. You can find it in Exodus 6 and 5. You can find it in Psalm 106 and 45. Did anybody get that one? Psalm 106 and 45. Read it, Rebecca. He remembered the covenant and he relented because of the multitude of his mercies. When you get in covenant with God, he remembers that promise. And he obeys that promise. We got a married couple sitting right here. They went into a covenant, I guess, 30-something years ago. They don't look old enough for a 30-year-old covenant, but they say they've got it. Got a married couple back there. They went into covenant some years ago. We, we got some married folks here. And when you're in covenant together, you can have good days and bad days, but nobody's going anywhere because you're in covenant. You've made a promise. You may go to Kroger and blow off some steam, but you, you, you know, you, you're in a covenant with somebody. Brother Roy, when you were married to Sister Isaacs, you didn't have to come home and open the door and see if she's having a good day or a bad day to see if she had her Samsonite packed up to hit the road because you're in covenant with her. We are in a covenant with God and He remembers that we are His people. If you have repented of your sins, if you have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, if you have received the baptism of the Spirit, you are in covenant with Him and He will honor that covenant forever. God remembers our weakness, but He remembers His covenant. Psalm 98 and 3. Mary, you got that one? He remembers his mercy. That translation says truth. Another translation says his faithfulness toward Israel. God remembers our weakness. He remembers his covenant. But he also remembers his mercy. Let me tell you something. I, I, 
The Bible says I need to forgive you 490 times. I don't know if I'm going to make it to 490, okay? I'm just, I'm just in the same day, if you, if you cuss me 489 times, I'm probably going to, about 473 or so, I'm going to get tired of it. But God remembers his mercy toward us. Even though sometimes we struggle with the same weaknesses, even though we have some of the same problems and foibles and concerns, God remembers his covenant with us and he remembers his mercy with us. Why don't we just thank the Lord that he doesn't forget his mercy. He remembers, he remembers his mercy. Psalm 105 and 42. Did anybody get that one? Psalm 105 and 42. I'll read it to you. Oh, Jim, you got it? Psalm 105, 42. Read it loud. He remembered his promise. Now, if I told you, I told you the other day I was going to give him a quarter because he did something good, and I have not made good on that promise because I forgot about it, I'll do it because the Lord brought it to my memory, I guess. <laughs> Better the Lord than Jenna. But if I make you a promise, I might forget. Randy, I might say, hey, I'll call you tonight. I might forget. God never forgets his promise. Right. If you got a promise from God, it's better than a CD at the bank because the bank may fail. My God never fails. This word never fails. If he promised you something, some people say, you could take it to the bank. No, no, no. It's better than that. You can take it to heaven because God, once he makes a promise, never forgets. He remembers his promise. He remembers our weakness. He remembers his covenant. He remembers his mercy. And he remembers his promise. One last thing. One last thing that God remembers. Genesis 8 and 1 tells us that God remembered Noah. Genesis 19 and 29 tells us that God remembered Abraham. Genesis 30 and 22 says God remembered Rachel. 1 Samuel 1 and 19 said, God remembered Hannah. Now, okay, Noah, he's a pretty special guy, saved the human race, built a big boat, believed God when there'd been no rain. I can't do that. Abraham, father of the faith, went off to see a city, builder, makers, God. Rachel, one of the matriarchs of the people of faith. Hannah prayed so hard, people thought she was drunk. Say, well, I'm glad God remembered them. But what about Roy? What about Mark? What about, what about Candace? What about Caleb? Psalm 136 and 23. Hear it. God remembers us in our lowest state. If you were created by his hand, you will never fall from his mind. If you were made by his mercy, you will never be forgotten by his care. God remembers you. Numbers 10 and 9, if I need to prove it to you one more time, Moses wrote it down in the law. You, everybody say me. You sit up a little straighter when you think about that. You, I, I will be remembered by the Lord. 
Brother Jim, you live long enough, some of those neurons are going to start misfiring. You may think, who was that preacher we used to know? We met him down in Bartlett, and then we went over there, and he made us work. We worked like crazy on that one building. We didn't get it, and then we got another building. We had to work on that, too, and sheetrock. I'm still spitting out sheetrock dust. And then, Who was that guy? I can't remember his name. I, can't, I see his face, but I can't call his name. It saved my life. You may forget me. It'll be a while because you're a good friend. But God's never going to forget me. God's never going to forget you and you and you and you and you. God remembers his people. He remembers you. The prophet Isaiah spoke of the suffering servant who revealed the heartbeat of God by being made incarnate in flesh. A starting point of perfection and completeness in this fallen world of wounded people and broken relationships. It was a prophecy of Jesus. In Isaiah 49 and 16, speaking of that servant, he said, can a woman forget her nursing child? There's some good mothers sitting in this room today. You would never forget your child. But the prophet said, can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget. See, this is what the Lord says. I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Anybody, anybody ever taken a pen and made a note on your hand? That doesn't work in July, Scott. <laughs> Not if you're a working man or working lady. I've written some notes on my hands before and couldn't read it because of sweat and you know, you know, rubbing my jeans or getting it, washing my hands. What did I say? Well, that must have been important. I need to remember. Wrote it on my hand. You know. Just so, just so he would never forget you. He engraved your hand on his palms. He enlisted the help of some Roman soldiers. And he said, I got some people I want to remember. And I'm going to make myself a note. So I'll lie down here on this beam. And you take your mallet. You take your spikes. And I want you to make sure that my people know that they're written on the palms of my hands. Thomas got to read that gospel message in Braille on the hands of Jesus, that tangible reminder that God never forgets us, our frailties, or his covenant with us. The Bible says in John 20 that, that Thomas was not there when Jesus met with the other disciples. He was off somewhere. And they came to him and they said, something wonderful has happened. Jesus, he's not dead anymore. I don't know how to explain it, but... All that stuff he said about three days and temples and raising up. and all, It's actually true. He's alive. We ate with him. We had fish together. He talked to us. We listened to him. It was just like old times. John put his head on his chest again. And Peter said, I'll never deny you again. And it was all true. It, it all came true. Thomas said, sounds great. I don't know what you guys have been smoking. But I'll put it to you this way. I'll believe when I can see a side. And when I can put, when I see the nail prints in his hand. Right. Eight days later, Jesus walks through a wall. And he says, hey, Thomas. Got something I'd like for you to feel. He was really saying, Mark. He was saying, I remember you. I remember that your flesh and your weak and it's hard for you to believe. 
I remember that I have a covenant with you as a disciple. I remember my mercy toward you. And I remember the promise that I made to rise again and that you also will rise again. And I want you to come here and I want you to understand, Thomas, that I remember you. You stand with me today? If you've ever wondered if God knows who you are, if you've ever wondered if God knows where you are in your condition, if you've ever wondered if God remembers your sin more than your desire to love Him, if you've ever wondered if He remembers all the past wrongs that you've done rather than the way that you want things to change today, I want to offer a strong word of encouragement to you, new Christian, non-Christian, mature Christian. I've got a word for you today. God forgets repentant sin. But God never forgets repentant people. God forgets the things that you've done that were wrong. But He will never lose His particular focus, His highlight, His spotlight on you. That fourth row over there sits a testimony. Lisa's told me many times, and I... I wouldn't embarrass her for the world, but you can be the smartest business lady in America if you start a solo practice. There are going to be challenges. There are going to be times when it doesn't all work out. She's told me of times that there was a need. Just there was a need. And there would be a phone call. There would be a check in the mail. I mean, I'm talking about the day. Before close of business, there had to be a change. But that practice over there is not just any practice. It's a practice that's been prayed over. That lady sitting over there is not just somebody with a stethoscope stuck in her ears. That's a lady who depends on God. And when you make a covenant with the Lord, He remembers you. He remembers your weakness. Your resources are limited. He remembers His covenant. He remembers His mercy. And He remembers His faithfulness. You should bow your heads today. Let's, let's close our eyes and if you've been wondering if the Lord knows where you are today, I want to encourage you that He's here and He does. He remembers you. He's forgotten your repented sins, but He remembers you. If there's somebody here today that there's a few things you want God to forget and you're not sure that they're in that sea that He cast sin into, if you're not sure that some of your deeds are behind His back, if, if you're not sure that they've been separated like the East is from the West, we can take care of that today in a few moments. You could just step out of your aisle and bow your head before the Lord and say, Lord, I, I repent. And immediately, it will enter God's amnesia zone and He'll forget about that forever. But if you need to know that He remembers you today, we can take care of that too. You can, you can step out. You can lift your hands, lift your face and say, Hey, God. Hey, hey, God. Hey, down here at Arlington. Hey, uh, uh, it's Bill. It's Susie. Remember me? Hey, God. You remember my family? God, do you remember my circumstance I've been praying about? God, do you remember my pain? God, do you remember my anxieties? It's me again. I know you got 8 billion people to worry about, but do you remember me? You're going to feel the force of heaven meet your need. Because as you lift your hands, He's going to lower His promise and His reassurance that He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly what you need. And he brought you here today to minister to you in an unforgettable, undeniable, and cataclysmic life 
changing way. I'd like for it to be 100% today. I'm going to open this front area. We call it the altar area because it's the area where we meet God. He's just as real in your pew where you're sitting or standing as he is in the front. But when you step down here, what you're doing is making a faith statement that says, Lord, I want to respond. You're telling your body, you're telling your mind, you're telling your spirit, I'm going to respond to what I've heard today. And so if you've got a special need that we just called out, then certainly I would urge you to come forward and, and to be in this altar with your brothers and sisters. If it's not your day of special need, but you want to thank the Lord for being with you, why don't you come? They're already coming. Let's make it unanimous. Let's just come and lift our hands before the Lord. And let's ask him today. Come on, let's come down today. And let's ask him to touch us. Let's all pray together. And let's ask the Lord to move today as Janice sings. And let's ask him to remember us. And remember his promise. And remember his mercy. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I am so thankful that God has chosen to forget my sins, to put them behind his back, to remove them as far as the east is from the west, to cast them into the sea. But oh friend, aren't you thankful that not only has God forgotten our sins, but he remembers, he remembers his covenant toward us. He remembers that we're just weak human beings whose frames are made of dust, we're flesh. He remembers his mercy, his faithfulness toward his people. He remembers his promise. And yes, God remembers us. He remembers you. He looks at you and your situation and he specifically calls you to increased attention, heightened awareness of who you are, what you need to succeed in Him. Don't we serve a wonderful God? Thank you, friend, for joining us at Arlington United.